giving you a, a little handout today. I might do this more and more. The outline's on the back for the lesson. But uh, for I was looking for names to name it. And this is Pew's News. And some of this is from uh, Way of Life Literature. Others is from others. And the corny jokes are from whoever you want to say they're from. They're pretty corny. And so if you get bored with my teaching, I mean, you might get something out of this. I just uh, hope you don't read it while I'm teaching, but that could happen. Matthew 28 and 19, we have the orders from our Savior and Lord. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, make disciples, see people saved, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that people that are saved would want to be identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and put into the institution that he works through the New Testament church. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, amen. And so, for the last several weeks, we've been endeavoring to obey what the Lord's commanded in this great commission. As believers are made, born again, become children of God through the preaching of the gospel. Those believers are to be baptized. And then they are to be taught the commandments that the Lord gave in his three and a half years of ministry. A lot of those commandments were found in the Sermon on the Mount. And today, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we come to the end of chapter 5, if you'll go with me there. In chapter 5, and verse 48, where Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, his command, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. This verse, without question, at least in my life, is the most unsettling of all his commands. It's even shocking. In it we find the standard of perfection. Back in chapter 5 and verse 20, Jesus addresses those who claim to be perfect and were the example for the world. And he says in verse 20 of chapter 5 here in Matthew, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And this one verse, he's eliminated all human standards of righteousness. What makes a good Christian? Often in church churches, the first generation Christians follow the man who established the church. The second generation Christians follow the first generation Christians and doing what is churchy. And the third, the second, and on it, on it goes. But this verse is teaching that God alone is the standard for perfection. Not what other people do. Acceptance is in 
God's standard. And so, as you see there on the back, what we've been doing, we've been looking at the command. And the clear command of the verse is be perfect. And so what does that word perfect mean? It's a, it's a word from the original Koine Greek that's translated 16 times perfect. It means to be finished or brought to an end. Let me give you some of the ways it's used in uh, literature of the Greek language. An animal that was been set aside to be a sacrifice and it was without blemish was said to be this Greek word, teleos, to be perfect. A man who had reached full-grown stature in, uh, in, in contrast to uh, a, a lad who is growing still, he was said to be perfect. He's mature. He's grown up. A student who had reached a mature knowledge of his subject was said to be teleos, as opposed to one who is just beginning and doesn't have a grasp of everything. A, a thing that is perfect realizes its purpose for which it was planned and designed and made. And so though all of those are words that are used in Greek literature, Jesus has made it plain here in the wording that he's talking about perfection as it relates to God in heaven. And so he's not just talking about being mature, being grown up, get a grasp of the language, though those words are used, but he's talking about the perfection that goes with deity. And that's shocking to me. He didn't say try, he said be perfect. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing I want you to understand is that this is, this is not new. This is not a new teaching that Jesus brought when he entered into the scene of history. Go back with me to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus 11. And there in verse 44, he says, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping things that creep on the earth. And then Peter referenced the Old Testament in 1 Peter, when he said, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, that word again, conversation here, does not mean your speech or your talking, but it means in all manner of your lifestyle. And he says, because it is written, be holy as I am holy. And so, let's look at first uh, what some other religious groups say about uh, this command. First of all, we'll look at the Mormon religion. What does it say about be ye holy, for I am holy? Well, it says that every Mormon is in a em embryonic, I don't know if that's even a word, embryo, em, em. <laughs> okay, my mind is uh, 72 years old, so it's in a, E M B R O, embryonic state, 
which means that every Mormon is a potential God, that he's in a progression. And though they would admit that they fail and they have sinful inclinations, they're working towards becoming a God. That as God is, one day they will become. And that Jesus worked himself up to where he was God-like. And uh, the other day, uh, I had some Mormons stop by. And I wasn't really ready for the mental challenge. Uh, but I told them who I was, and I didn't agree with them. And, and uh, so they wanted to talk, you know. And I said, uh, you know, you believe that you believe that Satan is Jesus' brother. I don't believe that. I believe Jesus was Satan's creator. And they were a little bit shocked by that, but uh, when three of them together, I found that it's not, you don't get really much communication. Maybe one-on-one -on -one you can, but they believe they're gonna be God someday. And if you're a woman, uh, you may be able to be with them and produce uh, children in a spiritual s state. Because uh, if they don't like you, they'll go over to the grave. If they like you, <clears throat> when they'll go over to the grave and they'll lift the veil and they'll say, rise. But if they don't like that wife, they'll just leave them in there. And so um, they believe... This, that's what this verse is talking about, that we can be holy as he is. Also, uh, I don't know if John Wesley come up with this, but uh, Wes Wesleyan holiness, which is really more Pentecostal, they believe that you can actually come to a state of sinlessness. He taught that sinless perfection that God will enable us to put off our sins and walk with Christ. The idea is that Christ is not going to command, be perfect if he doesn't enable us to do that. And they recognize that there's going to be a struggle sometimes with sin, but as you walk with the Lord and you depend more upon God's spirit, that you can obtain, obtain sinlessness. Well, look over here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. And he says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In the Lord's prayer, he assumed that we're going to sin. And he says, We need to confess our sins. And then let's go back to the back of your Bible, a well known verse, 1 John. Chapter 1 and verse 8, 1 John 1, 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which this is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, I'm chapter 2. 1 John 8, and if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The sin nature... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Note the difference between S-I-N, sin, which talks about the nature, and S-I-N-S, sins, which talks about specific sins that are committed. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so the Bible doesn't teach a sinless perfection. But he asks us here to be holy. He asks us to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. Now others would say that what this is talking about is talking about positional holiness or perfection.
that we, we stand in a, with salvation, we're put into a position of perfection. There's two, whether you talk about sanctification or perfection or whatever, there is three stages that we talk about, positional, and that has to do with kinship. You know, I'm a child of God forever, and I'm going to have positional relationship. I'm holy as a part about me is holy. There is a progressive perfection or progressive holiness. And that is in my life personally, I grow and progress in holiness. And then there's finally going to be a permanent holiness in my new body. Let's look at a couple of verses along that line. Um, look in uh, Hebrews 10.10. 10. In Hebrews 10 and verse 10, He says, by the which will, you come to take away the first, establish the second. He's talking about his covenant and his will for mankind and saving them. By the which will, we are sanctified, a word that refers to holiness, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so there is a part of our salvation that is sanctified, and it's once. And it's for all. Talking about that when I get saved, I'm saved once for all. I'm holy once for all. I'm sanctified once for all. I'm perfect once for all. That the spiritual side of me is related to God once for all. But then flip back to Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, he said, Not as though I've already attained, as though not already arrived, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I might apprehend that for which I'm also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things where I should be behind, and reaching forth of those things that before, I pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is saying that, that in a sense, in my everyday walk of life, that, that I've not attained yet, that, that he's not arrived yet, that there's going to be constantly a need to deal with sin. And we'll look at it later. But Galatians tells it, you know, you're going to have to fight sin. That we, that in our daily, daily, daily lives, we're going to be uh, dealing with trying to overcome sinfulness in our lives. And then looking uh, back in First John again, in First John three and verse two. He said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We're, we're, we're in a positional relationship with God right now. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And so we kind of have uh, the both both sides of this uh, here in that progressive knowing that one day we're going to be like him that we're going to be sinless we we strive to purify ourselves even as he is pure and so there's coming a day of a permanent relationship now those those are options you can either, you know, what does it mean, be perfect as I am perfect? 
The Mormon says, you know, I'm a little God in the making. Wesley says, I can, I can live today without sin in my life. The positional has to do with what we've talked about. But um, we just come from a, just come in the teaching before, he said that we're to love our enemies. He's given all those commandments that we've studied up to this point. And they're all commandments which uh, are not possible without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, where are we going to land here? Are we going to say it's a Mormon position? Well, we're not going to say that. We're going to say it's Wesley position? Well, we're not going to say that. Are we going to say he's talking about positional, a positional perfectness? Well, when he's talking here and he's giving these commands, it's like he expects them to obey them, to love your enemies. And so I say to you this morning, what God is asking of us in this verse is for us to be perfect. God wants us to be perfect. How can a holy God ask for anything less? Now, I want to make a couple of observations. Number one, in this command, be you perfect as your heavenly Father is imperfect. Perfection That's kind of a that's kind of a strange statement. Perfection should not be our aim. There's a lot of people aiming for perfection. Now let me explain this before you <laughs> take my salary away from me and and exclude me. There's all kinds of people trying to live perfect lives. Perfection should not be our aim. But I would say our aim should be total dependence upon the Lord. that I ought to aim for humbleness before God, for total dependence upon Him, to embrace the Scriptures without you or nothing. To understand without Christ we're nothing but with Christ I can do all things. That I'm not going to get up tomorrow and say, oh, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray for my enemies and do good to those that despitefully use me. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm determined today to pull my boots up and put my big boy panties on and I'm going to go out and do what you want me to do. Well, 
It may be 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock. You'll fall flat on your face. Because without the Lord, you're not going to do it. That I ought, I ought to shoot for total dependence. James Montgomery Boyce said this, to achieve this goal of perfection, you must turn away from your own efforts completely and receive instead the perfection which God has already taken steps to provide for you. Nothing that you will ever do will be perfect. Now let me say that again. Nothing that you will ever do will be perfect. Only what God does is perfect. Amen. And if I let God do something through me, it can be perfect. Which means I need to quit shooting for perfection because I can't get it on my own. And so perfection is going to require God It's going to require him working in us and through us. Look over in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And look there in verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved... As ye are always, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out, not work to obtain, but to work out that positional place that we're in, and being perfect in our innermost being, and a part of us that is exclusively God's. Work out your own salvation with fear. And trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There has to be this desire to be like God. This desire to be perfect. And to understand that it begins there. That God's just not going to zap us, but we have to have a desire to be holy as he is holy. And then to acknowledge that only, Lord, you can do that in my life. Work out is a command and a responsibility and fear and trembling explains that it's possible. For it's God that works in us, both to do and to will. He gives us a want to, both to, to will, and he gives us the energy to do it, to do. Look back in Ezekiel. God, again, this is not just a new a new thing with Christ. But God has always worked along these lines. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. And 26. And a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep 
my judgments and do them. We see both sides here again. That God gives us a new heart. That He's going to put His Spirit within us and He's going to cause us to walk in His statutes. And you shall keep my judgments, man's responsibility, and do them. And so there's a responsibility for us to, to seek the Lord. Quit seeking just trying to be perfect in our own energy. But to know that God's there to supply. And we need to have the desire to do them. Go over to, uh, well, I don't have the chapter, but in Colossians it says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That they're preaching, and they want to come to a place where every man is perfect, and then he says, Wherefore also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. And then Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, a very interesting verse. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That we're still in earthen vessels. That's why John says, if we say we have no sin, uh, we're liars. And though, though, though I'm in an earthen vessel, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And that's why Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so, let's quit shooting for and aiming for perfection and striving for perfection, but let's draw nigh to God. Let's shoot to be submitted to the Lord. Let's shoot to live by the power of God in our lives. And he'll enable us to overcome sin. Now, the second observation that I want you to a look at the second observation is what we read before but we didn't read down this far in Philippians 3 3 11 through 15 let's go back there very powerful powerful truths that are found here that help us in this area of perfection. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3 and verse 11. Paul says well, in verse 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, that is, that he would be uh, in the positional place in, in the in the the uh, place of uh, permanency of holiness. Not as though I'd already attained. I'm not attained yet. I'm still here. Either we're already perfect. But I follow after you that I may be apprehended that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. I'm following after what Christ saved me for. He saved me from my sins to conquer my sins. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I've not arrived. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The mark of what? Well, the mark of perfection. The mark of holiness. Now note this statement here. Very, very interesting statement. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. And so, he implies here that to be perfect is to understand you're not perfect. To be perfect is to understand I've not attained yet. And so, we, uh, we uh, have not arrived, yet the Lord asks us to be perfect now. We're at the crisis point. We're either going to go forward or backward. The command is be perfect. Now there's there's two dangers here. The first is the idea the first well I don't think I should say two dangers. What should I say here? Uh, just there's just two two uh Two things that, two ideas we must grasp. Number one, there is no sinless perfection in this life. We've already read 1 John. Look over in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 and verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. This I say... Then walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. And so he's, he's, what he's saying here, there's a war. There's a war between my flesh and my spirit. The Spirit being influenced by the Holy Spirit. And as the old you know, story goes, two dogs are fighting, and one time one wins, another time the other wins, and someone asked this guy who was, who, who was fighting these dogs, and people were betting on who would win. He said, how do you know which one's going to win? And he said, the one I feed the most. And so if I feed the flesh, I'm going to sin. If I, if I look to be closer and in, in, in walk with the Holy Spirit, then, uh, then I'm not going to fail. And so there's an enemy. And in fact, when someone says that they've reached a state of perfection, they're in a real danger place. 
Because even Paul said, I've not yet obtained. I've not attained yet. We need to totally, we need to get up every day and acknowledge, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I'm going to fall on my face. And so that's dangerous, this idea of sinless perfection. But what's also dangerous is uh, spiritual spiritual complacency well you know I'm just human I'm just human you know we sin after all the Bible teaches that we're going to sin I'm only human. You all know, right, that from 18 to 23, 24, maybe, everybody has to sow their wild oats. It's part of life. Forgetting the laws of sowing and reaping, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. And when we sow, we reap later than we sow. We reap the same thing we sow. And we reap more than we sow. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, not the positional sanctification, but the daily sanctification, the progressive sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Look back there in 1 John again, chapter 3. First John 3 and verse 2, beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Jesus said there in the Beatitudes, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so, let me kind of drive this home a little deeper. We know that if we say we have no sin, that we're a liar, that, that, there's, that our fallen nature is going to affect us until we go to heaven. Yet he says, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And it's so easy to say, well, I'm just human. I'm just human. And so he set a standard to be holy as the Lord, to, to fail, I'm just human, 
I have a sin nature. But let's get real. What is it when we fail to meet the standard? What is it? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When I fail to meet the standard, I've sinned. And he said, well, God created me a sinner. You know, I mean, I, mean, I'm not, I became a sinner in Adam's fall. And he says, I'm going to sin. But he also says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And so he acknowledges that we have a flaw, and that flaw is going to penetrate through us and into us. But he also says that uh, to fail to meet the standard is to sin. And uh, we all have a, a will. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, where, where does this stand at? Well, because God is perfect, and we are his children, we ought to see in our lives a movement a movement towards holiness. That I shouldn't be the same as I was 10 years ago. That things that didn't bother me when I was first saved or before I was saved, they bother me now. Why? Because I've grown. <laughs> I'm moving. And so when I've stalled and I don't have any progression and I've stalled in this pressing towards the mark, when I've stalled in moving towards hating sin and moving more towards sanctification, when I've stalled, and maybe actually slipping backward, mm -hmm. then I need to do some serious thinking. Yeah. You know, and we can go we can go a long ways backwards. Lot did, yeah. and mainly because he didn't have God in his life. You can put off your daily devotions for a week and then ask you, am I growing? <laughs> am I going backwards? One man said, because God is perfect, those who are truly his children will move on in the direction of his perfect standard. If you're stalled or if you're slipping in the opposite direction, it's right that you examine yourself Pursuing the standard of perfection does not mean we can never fail. It means that when we fail, we deal with it. There's something absolutely wrong in my life when I fail the standard and it doesn't drive me to the cross to confess my sin. The Lord give us a standard be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is imperfect. He couldn't give us any other standard, could he? Well, be, be, be like Abraham, the great father of faith, who lied about who his wife was. He couldn't give him for a standard. Billy Graham for a standard? Chriswell, a great Baptist preacher. Truett, a great Baptist preacher. Peter, how about Peter for a standard? No, God's a standard. 
and I must not allow any excuse to come into my heart because I'm related to Adam. Because I'm no longer in that family. I'm a son of God. And so, tomorrow, the rest of the day, we need to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, guard my thoughts today. Help me to be a blessing. Lord, help me to understand that the works in my life, even though I intend them for good and I try to be a blessing, the works of the flesh always, uh, always is short. And Lord, I want to live a life today when people will say, see and say, I know that guy, Gene Humphrey, I know him. And I'm telling you, what has happened, only God could do. And then we'll come to a place of moving closer and closer to perfection. And one day, we won't have to fight it anymore. We'll be perfect forever. Okay? There's the standard. (laughs) You're going to have to wrestle with it just like I wrestled with it. And God's not going to change his standard.